This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, and very fired up to bring you this week's guest presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, Rizzuto. From the Rizzuto Show on 105.7, The Point. I've met Rizzuto. I think we had met, it, I know of at least one time, maybe two times before. Um, and, uh, and and know all the guys on the show that airs from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. on 105.7, The Point. Uh, Jeff Burton, uh, Tony Patrico, and Moon. And um, and, 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 and as, as we talk about over the course of our uh God, we talked for a while, and, and as we, we both got done, we are like, man, we could have done two more hours of that. But I always feel bad because I take so much damn time from people. So I kind of, after like, I think 90 minutes, I'm like, all right, enough. Because we both have some uh, stories of some off-the-air stuff that we were like, we started telling afterwards, so maybe we'll do another uh, another uh, episode. But anyway, we, we talk about like kind of like back in the day, uh, both certainly influenced by Howard Stern. Rizzuto's from uh, New York, say from Queens. And, uh, we were talking about, you know, how it used to be with like radio shows, like if they were both kind of doing, uh, or reaching the same audiences that it would just be in your blood that you have to then like hate the other show or shit on the other show or whatever the case might be and how that has changed. Um, I I think for the most part, I don't even, I don't know if it goes on. I'm not really locked in if, if that's going on much anymore, but I, I don't think it goes on. So anyway, my point in telling the story is the Rizzuto show, I think we both reach as in TMA and the Rizzuto show, we both reach like m- more than anything else, 20 something, 30 something and 40 somethings. Although we certainly have some teens, we certainly have some 50 something, 60 something, 70 something and so on and so forth. Um, where some other popular shows in the market might have an older audience or, might have whatever the case we I think have for the most most part 20 30 40 somethings for the most part if this were a bell curve uh men and so then usually if this were like the 1980s there'd be like oh fuck that show or we don't like those guys or whatever that's that would be the gig and that stuff just doesn't really go on anymore which is nice because when it gets down to it even though I obviously don't get a chance to listen to their show because I'm on the air at the same time I have a great deal of respect for what they do uh, with their show, uh, and it is absurdly popular. First off, they're all really good guys. That's A, number one. I guess it makes it easier when that's the case. And then second, super talented, really creative, and have a huge following. So, you know, it's like e- even if I 
didn't happen to like them. And like I said, I, I know all four and like them quite a bit. Uh, I'd have to have respect for it. It just so happens that I like them all and have gotten a chance, especially when we were on 105.7 HD2. Uh, and so we had a business relationship with Emmis, which is where they were before Emmis sold their stations locally to, to Hubbard and to Entercom, uh, that we would, uh, you know, be somewhat, we were kind of on the periphery, but under the same umbrella of the, uh, the, uh, parent company Emmis. So anyway, it was our first chance to have a conversation and it was one of those, I always, I guess, look forward to the interviews with broadcasters, I guess more than I do. And it's not to say that I don't look forward to the other interviews. The broadcasters one, I look forward to more so because I know they're going to be comfortable talking about damn near anything. And so I don't have to go, God, I want to ask this, but I don't know how it's going to play. And then if it doesn't play well, it's going to fuck up the rest of the interview. You know what I mean? So it's just, it, I just wanted to hear a story because I knew that he was, I, I was pretty sure he was from New York. Um, and I knew because back when I had hair, uh, the, the guy who cut my hair, cut his hair and he always asked me if we knew each other. So we're talking about a while ago and how he went from doing nights at the point to now being the host of what I believe is. And it's not like I look at ratings because for us on our show, we don't get ratings because we're not subscribing to ratings and, and it's a whole thing. Um, but because, uh, I, I would say that. I don't believe there is a more popular morning show in St. Louis than the Riz show. I could be wrong. And if I am wrong, I apologize to whatever show would have higher ratings, but I'll say this and I'll say it with great confidence. Uh, very few shows in the market move the needle like, uh, our guest today's show Rizzuto. And so it was uh, cool to hear how he got here. The story of how the show has become what the show has become as far as the following they have, and then just kind of bullshit about the industry. So I loved this conversation um, and I hope you enjoy it as well. It's all made possible by our sponsors. Without our sponsors, there is no podcast. And that's why I try to always bring up supporting the sponsors. Take pride in doing it because that's what keeps TMA going now in our 14th year. And that's what keeps the podcast going now approaching our first year anniversary. Uh, it's, it's all the support of the sponsors and the sponsors who make it possible. And Ryan Kelly has been on board from the beginning. And uh, just talking yesterday with Ryan Kelly, he's like, I want to stay on board. And I'm like, that's great to hear, man. Um, that's that's the name of the game. And Ryan Kelly, and I'm going, my God, he's calling me. He, he's on top of the Grand Teton Mountain uh, 48 hours ago, and he's already calling me talking business. I, if I climbed the Grand Teton, I think I'd shut it down for like two weeks. But in his case... He's back at it less than 48 hours after being on the thing. God bless him. But that's the kind of work ethic he has. It's like the way he operates his business. And here's the bottom line. Five minutes can save you can save $500. Why wouldn't you go to thehomeloanexpert.com and see what they can do for you? They're online at thehomeloanexpert.com. And whether it's a cash-out refi to tend to credit card debt or whether you're buying a home or you just want to refi and lock in a low interest rate, they can do it for you. And the way he operates that business, the customer service you're going to get is going to be Phenomenal. That's what they do at thehomeloanexpert.com, whether it be philanthropy, whether it be all the charity work that Ryan does or the way he has built and operates his business. That's the company you want to be in business with. Ryan Kelly online at thehomeloanexpert.com. So in the homeloanexpert.com studios, it was my pleasure to welcome our guest presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, Rizzuto from the Rizzuto Show on 105.7 The Point. 
Here he is with me on the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. Riz, an honor. Thanks so much for coming in to our little playground. This is very nice here. You like the playground? To have a studio attached to a restaurant is pretty neat. Yeah, it's a, and it's two minutes from the house, which is yeah, in Kirkwood. That's right. Uh, have you ever worked in a in a studio downtown? I have not, I, because I've been relegated to AM radio my entire mm. career. You big timers are in. <laughs> Big time. No, not in downtown anymore. You're creep coring it. Now we're creep core, yeah. which is. How, how do you like it? I'm, I'm legitimately curious what it, because when I would sit here, Glover's been in, uh, Lux has been in, Learn's been in, and I would always talk admirably about Emmis. And then, like, I was raving to learn. I'm like, God, you have all the stability. I've been at like five stations, and it's, you know, you're constantly like meeting new owners, and you guys have been at one place. And then, like, two weeks later, the announcement about the Emmis yeah. cover thing. And I'm like, oh, God, now I feel like I. At first, it was very worrisome. I had worked for Emmis for 15 years, since great 2003. Company. Great company. Uh, I, I mean, just great memories. And, you know, they took care of my family and me for such a long time. Um, I almost felt like, though, at Emmis, I'd kind of reached a kind of top and really no place else to go. And it's it's always good, you know, change up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want to sit on my hands and get stagnant. All right. You know, and this new company, Hubbard, is... is Great. That's what everybody who's over there says. And they're not saying it when they're sitting in here. It's like, we'll be bullshitting and texting or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they'll be just like, oh, this is, I mean, for real, this is this is great. It's nothing against them. It's, this is just, they're really good. Yeah. And, and I guess you're worried at first. And then when it winds up being good, it feels better. Well, when we were told that, you know, we were t- I was told actually in the, in the middle of my show one morning. Oh, my God. That we were sold. Like in the middle, I will. So I will. Somebody text you and go, "Hey." No, Tommy, our boss, literally kicked the door open. I'll tell you exactly what it was. What? It was January thirtieth. On January thirtieth at nine a.m., door kicks open and it's my boss, and it looks like you know he's either sweating or crying, and I go, "Who died?" <laughs> and he said, a "Meeting nine thirty in front of the general manager's office. No exceptions." I'm like, "Tommy, I'm I'm on till 10. I can't." I can't leave the show. And he goes, 9.30. And I said, Tommy, I got live endorsements to do. I can't. And then he goes, fine. And he, he, he walks out and never told us what was going on. So me and the rest of the guys look at each other. We're like, holy shit. Yeah. Who died? Now we're trying to go through the roster. Who's old? Who's decrepit? Who was sick? <laughs> and then uh, five minutes later, Tommy comes back in the studio. And mind you, Tommy is somebody that never comes in the studio, never would interrupt anything. And he comes back in, he goes, fine, meeting at 10 o'clock. <laughs> and I, what's out. wrong? And he goes, we were sold. I'm like, what? We were sold? He goes, yes, we were sold. We're going to Hubbard. Hubbard? Who the hell's Hubbard? L. Ron Hubbard? I'm like, we're sold to the Scientologist. Scientologist. Holy cow. So, so you're sitting there going, oh, my God, what happened? Do you have any idea that this was... No. That's the thing. Some of the, 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 great, the great GMs slash owners... It's a trait. It's not a fun trait to have, mm-hmm. but it's the omerta. You keep the shit inside. Of course. Room. Yeah. And so, you know, a John Beck, because we had the 105.7 HD2 uh-huh. simulcast for the 590 AM, he called me the day before, which says a lot about John Beck, by the way, because he's in the middle of this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Our old we're GM on, is a great the, guy. We're on this little HD2 thing, which couldn't be any less material to the business of Emmis or Hubbard uh-huh. or Intercom or anybody. He goes, hey, just wanted to let you know, we're going to be making some changes, so the HD2 thing, unfortunately, it's going to go away. It was supposed to end at the end of 2017, and then we'd renew it, but just so you know, just wanted to let you know. It's, yeah. it's, it's just some things have changed, and I'm just like, oh. 
okay, you know, yeah, I mean, I totally understand because I was no longer operating the station. And right. Like, yeah, that's totally cool. And less than 12 hours or 15 hours later... Oh, I had no idea. It's in recent St. Louis radio. No idea. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm on a need-to-know basis as, as it is. Who the hell am I? Yeah, I'm not in, on these meetings. But, you know, then Tommy leaves the room, and we're all kind of... All my guys are kind of standing there, kind of shell-shocked. And I said, uh, holy cow, you know, we've been with this one company for so long, and they've treated us so so well. And I said, wait a minute, I'm under contract, so you can't so you can't fire me without paying me out. And uh, secondly, hey, guys, we may get a new studio. And it was, huzzah. <laughs> this might be a good thing. This is a know, great thing. Deep down, curious, because I always wonder about, like, because I'll have conversations with, like, people I would consider advisors, whatever, associated with the show or business or familiar with business in media. And I'll go, God, I don't know on this and this. And they go, Dude, show's been on 14 years. You have all these advertisers, audience. You're good. But as a host, you're uh, Come on, always paranoid. Exactly. So I'm always paranoid. Oh, good. God, every day. Absolutely. All right. Okay. Every day. So I, 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 every day could be my last day. <laughs> that's how I Honestly. do, that's, that's part of being a radio guy, I guess. It's just insane paranoia. Oh, absolutely. So what keep, what any, keeps us sharp. At any moment, were you going, oh, shit, the show might be going away? Or did that ever cross your mind? No, because I was reassured right from the beginning. Like, yeah. hey, you know, your guys are good. I mean, it would be terrible for anybody to mess with your show. I've never been through a station sale before. So this was, this was all new to me. I can speak to you about this thoroughly. Would you like to hear about one, two, three, Well, here, four, here was my here's what I w- was told was it's, it's easier... To be on the on the on the on air side of things because yeah. we kind of just go with the signal because the economy of scale gets hit for the the merger like we're you know we're kind we kind of go with the signal right where it's the periphery the you know the the, the all the support staff sure. that if there's we'll doubles have one track handle four stations right. instead of two we'll you know like our our HR person mm-hmm. like Hubbard didn't need another HR person. You know, and Patty, who you know, worked with for 15 years, had been with MS4, you know, God knows how long, 30 years, you know, was, was let go. All the engineers, you know, were let go. So, you know, it was sad to see all those people go. But at the same time, new beginnings, right. you know, a whole new adventure. And getting out of downtown was, I mean, just... Thrilled about that. Oh, thrilled. So, without going into specifics as to where where you reside, the commute is, I gather, better now for you? I'm 20 minutes closer to my house, which is is beautiful. Sweet. Uh, But we were, at Emmis, broadcasting out of basically a janitor's closet. I remember seeing your studio, and for as popular as the show was, I figured it would be like a Howard Stern studio. And I saw it, and I go... These these guys have it's, the, I think the most successful show in morning radio in St. Louis, and you're in you're in a, in a like in like our this podcast studio actually is essentially what you have. Oh, dude, yeah, just about, and then try try shoving you know four people in there, right. four dudes in there. Right. Try having a guest. We'd have uh, I remember we had the uh, the Offspring in. Yeah. And uh, we couldn't have all my guys on mics. Somebody had to leave. Like we had to choose. Like, all right, one of you guys, one of you guys got to go. Draw straws. Or we'd be, uh, you know, uh, I would call it either a Bon Joviing a mic. You know, when two people share the same mic. <laughs> like Richie and John. like Richie and John. You know, one singing "Living on a Prayer" together. So Nor I, did we have a window. A window. I don't that know. That was the other thing I remember. I was thinking, God, that has to be claustrophobic. If you have claustrophobia, that would drive. I would take and think about it in the winter. In the winter time. You come in, it's dark. You leave, it's pretty dark and bleak. You take a nap, and then you get up, it's still dark. My wife would have to give me vitamin D pills <laughs> because I would be lacking in vitamin D because uh, no sun. That's it. And I would have no idea what was going on in the outside world. 
That, that's got to be tough. Now, you got a nice new studio. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Treat you like kings, but you deserve, for real, you deserve to be. You know what? Honestly, that we're so tough. low maintenance. All I all I wanted was a window. That's it. <laughs> I wanted a window. You can look out on what Olive or something. Sure, yeah, we could see a Jaguar and Land Rover dealership. Yeah, that's right, right across. As the, the sun comes up and glistens off the Jaguar symbol, <laughs> it's it's gorgeous. I find myself actually we've been broadcasting there for I think three weeks now. I will get up during a commercial break and just stare out the window. Just stare out the window because now it's nice to have a window and get lost in just the, the happenings of of Olive Boulevard. <laughs> and City Place is great. And I, listen, it's 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 no secret. The crime downtown. Right. You know, I heard about like there was like a bus stop right by. Is that what it was? A bus stop or the or subway stop or something? Oh, uh, Clark. Link, yeah. Clark and uh, uh, ass kickings there. Oh, dude, yeah. Because the cat, Jim Hayes, Fox Sports Midwest, they're down there, and he'll be like, God, you won't believe. Oh, dude. Yeah, it'd be a shooting a block away, and uh, there was a quote unquote security guard that would sit in the booth. Uh, he'd be half asleep, you know, <laughs> most of the time. Uh, and I don't know if he was like a scarecrow type of thing. Maybe if he just put somebody in there, like, he'd be like, oh my God, there's somebody in there. He's, you know, he's got to be armed or something. He was not armed, uh, and he'd be he'd be held up, you know, once every couple months. Nice guy. And he's the security guy. As I said, quote, I, I don't know what I don't know what he did, but he would sit at the little toll booth where the arm would go up. In and out of the Union Station parking lot, and they'd be mornings. I'd come in and I'd I'd drive over the train tracks down there at Union Station, and I'd see the red flashing lights from the police. I go, "Oh my God, they killed Alvin! Finally, they got him!" And he and he'd be like, "Oh, I'm like Alvin, you're right." And he go, "Oh, Mr. Riz, they stole my dignity. Like, that's all they got. He got no. What are they gonna get? You know, twenty dollars." I'm like, "Why don't you carry a weapon?" They don't allow weapons. Don't okay. Allow weapons. I'm just sitting here, sitting duck. He literally a sitting duck. And there'd be, you know, there'd be days I would run, <laughs> run in, <laughs> always in a zigzag pattern because of snipers. <laughs> Posted at the Fudgery. So, so I remember. Is the Fudgery still around? It's down at Ballpark Village. I know that. I don't know if the Union Station. Well, I haven't been there as much as I. When I first got to town, that was a thriving, thriving in the place. In the 1980s, the people came from suburbs all around to go down. And watch the gentleman make fun. Oh yeah, dude. When I I got here in 2003, there was the Hooters there. Uh, all most of the stores were open. It'd be a hub of entertainment, and the, the Hard Rock was 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 thriving. You know, you know. Somebody said once the hard the Hard Rock is it closing or or it's closed already. Yes. Once the Hard Rock goes, there goes the city. The Hard Rock is the is the domino is, that sets the mm-hmm, whole thing. That's off. it. We <laughs> lost heard, Hard Rock. That's it. it right Time to move. With Riz and Sam McKernan, <laughs> it's done. You are. Uh, this is the, the, the very bizarre background. I wish I could think of the guy's name, but this is true. When I was doing television at KMOV, and it's 2003, 2004, I was still growing my hair. I was taking Propecia, so I still mm-hmm. had hair. And I it worked. It, and, oh, and now it's <laughs> And he goes, hey, do you know uh, Rizzuto? He's on the point. And I said, no, I, I haven't met him yet. I've heard him, but I don't know him. And he goes, he's really good. I also cut his hair. And I, I don't know. Huh. I don't know what the gentleman, because, again, obviously, I'm, I, I cut my own hair every other day. So I don't see the gentleman anymore. Huh. But he was really high on you. Nice enough guy. Where the hell did I go in 2003? He, this guy would bounce around from place to place. Nice guy. 2004. Huh. Really nice guy. I wish I could think of him. Those are very hazy years for me. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> No kids, young. But you had just gotten here from, were you in New York? I was in New York City, yeah. Born and raised in New York? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Where in New York? Uh, I was born in Queens, Flushing, Queens. 
right uh nice Shea Stadium. Right in the shadows of Shea Stadium. So I was a Yankee fan. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah, I moved out here in two thousand three and listen, the perception of moving out to Missouri for somebody from the East Coast is what they think. They're like, What where is it probably? Uh, yeah, where is it? And are there a lot of cows? And honestly, I mean, you, it's such a, such elitist people out there in New York. Honestly, just a piece of garbage we are. <laughs> <laughs> so were you in like, did you go to broadcasting school or what was going on? Uh, no, I went to college for uh, maybe two semesters. Uh, and I got an internship with K-Rock in New York City, which oh, was Howard like, Stern's radio yes, station. The place. Right. So I worked there uh, as an intern for a couple months, and then worked my way up to being the guy who drove the van around, who went to who went to you know concerts and threw T-shirts out and gave stickers out and did bar parties and you know the kind of gopher. And I made sure, and I always tell like new guys coming up with the business this: make sure you learn kind of everything, make yourself valuable, make yourself valuable to to the radio station, kind of be the jack of all trades. And at the same time, I would always kind of hang out in the studio with the jocks over there and I always thought man these guys are idiots I could do this and they made good money and I'm like this is what I want to do would you cross paths with Stern or his crew uh yeah I mean I would I would go around sometimes with Stuttering John to go pick up homeless people for the homeless Jeopardy game they used to play like where, was, get, where was the hotbed of activity? Where were your best prospects? Usually uh, near uh, subway entrances <laughs> so I would go around in the van and we'd collect homeless people I mean the fact that I wasn't killed is amazing. <laughs> so how do you go from working at K-Rock to getting a job at 105.7? Well, I for, uh, so how do you get on the air? You got to uh, put out a demo tape and you got to uh, you got to get on the air. Absolutely. So you can have that demo tape. So how do you get on the air at K-Rock? I, I would fake. So I would go into the production studios at night when everybody was gone and I would put on my own little radio shows and I would talk up intros to things, put it all on tape and kind of edit it all together. And what I would do is I would send it, I would look in the radio trades and just send my tape and resume to everyone I could. Everyone. To everyone I could. And I got a, I got my first on-air job at WHTG in New Jersey. It was at the New Jersey Shore. At the same time, I was still working promotions at K-Rock. So I would go on the weekends, I would take the K-Rock van, because I didn't have a car, I lived in Manhattan. I would take the K-Rock car, steal it, because I had the, you know, the, the garage key. I, I would make sure there was no promotions that weekend or take a car that wasn't being used and drive down the New Jersey Turnpike, park the car in the back of the radio station, do an air shift, get back in the car, and go back up to New York. And I got caught. K-Rock picked you up? Uh, my program director happened to be on an Amtrak train driving along the Turnpike and saw the car going down to the Jersey Shore, went back that Monday and found out there were no promotions that that weekend and called me into his office. And I thought I thought I was a goner. I thought I was done. That was it. Over. I'm fired. And uh, he, he yelled at me, but then he also kind of was like, you know what? I respect you doing what you needed to do. You were hungry for this. You wanted to be on the air. You know you need mic time. Don't do it again, but I kind of respect this. So, so no, you didn't get whacked. I didn't get whacked. Uh, so I was down at WHTG in New Jersey doing weekends and kind of filling stuff. At the same time, still doing my promotions thing. 
somebody from Sirius Satellite Radio happened to be driving in the area when Sirius was first starting. They had just put the satellites in the air and they were looking to hire air staff. Somebody happened to be driving, turned on my radio station, happened to hear me, called me up and said, hey, do I, do I want to work up at Satellite Radio? So I said... Uh, based in New York City, right? Based in, in Midtown Manhattan, actually two blocks away from, right. from the K-Rock radio station. So, uh, and they were paying just a stupid amount of money. I'm like, hell yeah, <laughs> I do that. Don't have to drive down to Jersey anymore. <laughs> so still maintained my K-Rock position, went to do my satellite radio thing. I was the first jock on the Octane channel. Octane, now what channel was that? It was the alternative kind of modern rock okay. channel. So I would go in the middle of the night, I would record six shifts for a week, get paid a dumb amount of money. This is when Sirius Satellite Radio was flush with cash. They had spent about a billion dollars to build these studios. Everything was glass, modern. You'd walk in the building, and this is before they had Howard Stern. So obviously they still had some money. Uh, you'd walk in and you'd see these giant video cubes with the positions of the satellite, and you go, man, I just walked into NASA. This is amazing. So I'd go, I'd do my shifts, and then, you know, pick up the paycheck and go back and do my promotions at K-Rock. That's a hell of a deal. What a, I mean, a lucky break. That it was a, it was a insanely, like and then insanely lucky break. And uh, at first we were doing we were doing air shifts at, at Sirius for nobody. Nobody had it. Like it was in no cars. They hadn't even turned it on. We were just kind of doing practice yeah. practice radio shifts. Still getting paid. Still getting Dumb paid. Amount Dumb amount of money per shift. It was great. And I remember uh, I, I was there for about a year and a half. And I remember my first first tax day and I went down to the H&R block I waited two hours in line to get my tax done and I sat with the t- accountant and I said uh, alright man what's my return and he goes return he goes you owe like $10,000 I'm like oh I'm like what why <laughs> he goes you know you're a contracted employee oh, you're so they're not taking any taxes out of your serious oh, that paychecks hurts. that's a hard lesson to learn <laughs> That's a hard lesson to learn. But a lesson nonetheless. Yeah, a lesson nonetheless. <laughs> and I learned about saving <laughs> that day. You must have been doing all right if you were living in Manhattan. Unless you're oh, dude, in a... I lived in the ghetto. <laughs> Where were you, Lower East Side? Oh, I was above Harlem. I was on 100... Oh, you went high. <laughs> I was uh, 170th Street. Uh, this was about uh, two blocks away from the Bronx line. Uh, and I had a roommate, and we paid 400-some-odd dollars a month. Or an apartment. It was pretty big for for being in Manhattan. Right. And again, location was not the best. Right. Uh, my roommate and I, my roommate and I, roommate and I were the only white guys in our building, which would be raided every every so often. <laughs> like New Jack City. Yeah, I mean, you'd hear the the front door, you know, of the of building because we're right next. We're on the first floor. Uh, we'd hear the door being <laughs> battering rammed open, and then you're like, ah, oh, the cops are here again. <laughs> Damn it, they're here. We again. had bars on our windows. Uh, but it was, you know, listen, I was, I was 19, 20 years old. I didn't care. Yeah, right. I mean, it was cockroach infested, rat infested. Uh, we had no TV. We had the rabbit ears, and I put tin foil and, <laughs> and lined. Because I, I think, you know how much lead paint was in that apartment, <laughs> honestly? Like the paint, the walls were probably probably another five inches thick with the lead paint that was layered on there. 
Uh, Is your family still in Queens while you're living in this shithole? Uh, my my mom and dad were in Rockin County, which is about twenty minutes. Twenty. Yeah, that's for the that's for my co-host Jimmy the Cat Hayes. That's where he grew up. Oh yeah, yeah. where in, in Rockland? I don't know exactly. I know he always talks about now. This of course is in upstate New York. He always talks about Geneseo State. That was his. Uh, that was his. Uh, that's way up that's north. Way that might as well be west. Canada. Right. Yeah, it's right. like, hey, uh, you know, when somebody says, hey, I'm from New York, you go, oh, yeah, what borough? And you go, I'm from Buffalo. You know, you're not from New York. <laughs> you're not from New York. So if you're, you're a serious gig, year and a half, what did that just end or then you go to the point? Oh, no, I was still I was still working that. And uh, there happened to be a job opening here in St. Louis. Were you getting feedback when you blanket the country with these reels? I mean, you had to have something going. I had gotten a job hit in Vermont. In, uh, I think the city was Manchester Center, Vermont. W-E-Q-X. And I remember driving up there for an interview. Because I just wanted to be, I wanted to have a job full-time on the air. You know, Monday through Friday. I wanted to do five shifts a week. Not overnights. Not board offing. Not weekends. I wanted my own airship. That was always my goal, was to do that. So Manchester Center, Vermont, WEQX, which was kind of a, a legendary station in that area. Kind of a lot of good jocks, uh, a lot of good air personalities came from that place. So I borrowed a, a, a buddy's, uh, actually a jock at K-Rock's 1985 Jeep Wrangler and drove about six, six hours north of Manhattan up to Vermont. The car did not go over 55 miles an hour nice. on the New York State Thruway. It was February. I had a soft top on the car. It had just snowed, so the snow drifts would blow across the across the throughway, through the Jeep. So it'd be snowing inside the car and outside the other way. So I remember getting to the Vermont State Line, pulling over to call the general manager of the radio station. I said, "Hey, I'm 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 finally in Vermont. Uh, you know, where should I park when I get to the radio station?" And he goes, uh, "Just park in the driveway." I was like. The driveway of, of what? Uh, he goes, the house. I said, uh, the house? And again, I, I'm, I'm a radio station being in midtown Manhattan. Uh, we were on the 14th floor on West 57th Street in the heart of, of, of Manhattan. And I said, am I going to a house? And he goes, yeah, when you open up the front door, don't let the cat out. I'm like, you got to be shitting me. So I, I go there. I, I talk to the GM, talk to the program director. I said, will there be expenses uh, for if I do take this job? Uh, like, where will you put me up? He goes, oh, you stay in the house. There's some bunk beds upstairs. I said, bunk beds upstairs? Oh, Mike, I would live here? God. He goes, yeah, until you get on your feet and, you know, you get a place. Now, I had a girlfriend at the time who was willing to move with me. but we're, And we're married now, by the way. Uh, we have been dating, you know, about a year. And... Uh, and I said, I, I drove back to New York, and the guy said, I'll fax you a contract. He goes, you got the job, I'll fax you a contract. And I remember that contract coming over the K-Rock offices. It was for $18,000 a year, which to me was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> My first radio contract. And uh, I was seriously considering it. And my girlfriend goes, if you go to Vermont, I'm not going with you. She's not going there. How are you gonna, what am I going to do in Vermont? And this, the only thing in that city was a friendlies. That was the big thing. Oh, yeah, everybody goes to the friendlies on Friday and Saturday nights. That's it. There was nothing else. Uh, and I was seriously contemplating taking the job. And then I got a call from Tommy Mattern. Wow. So it, it's Vermont and St. Louis. Yeah. I figured there had to be something in between. No. Wow. 
Tommy spotted the talent. Actually, Woody, you know, my old, my old partner right. doing mornings, I worked with Woody. Woody was at K-Rock in New York for a handful of years. And he was doing late nights. He was doing 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. That was his shift. And I was kind of doing a little producing for the guy who did nights at K-Rock. So Woody would come in after us. And he would always talk about how great St. Louis was. Because I guess it was here at Extreme Radio. Remember Extreme Radio? So Extreme Radio kind of went away. Woody went to K-Rock and was doing late nights. And would always talk about how great St. Louis was. And then he went back to St. Louis to work the point. And when he left, he goes, man, if something opens up, and I always kept in touch with him. Something opens up, I'll, I'll let you know. And he knew I was looking for a job. So a woman named Jennifer White was doing nights on the point. She wound up leaving to go to San Diego. And there was an opening. And Woody told Tommy about me. I got a call from Tommy. And I fly out to fly out to St. Louis for an interview. And we did part of the interview at the brewery, which was great. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Like we did the, we did the tour. We yeah. went in the hospitality room. And I said, man, this will, this is all right, man. This is Missouri. This is Missouri. I don't see any cows around here. And uh, I, yeah, I wound up getting the job at doing nights here. And I remember when I got the job, I called Tommy up and I said, hey, man, do I need a car? I don't have a car. And he said, yeah, you need a car. I'm like, what's the mass transit situation like? <laughs> strong to quite strong. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, it, it's a city. You know, it's, it's St. Louis, a big city. What's the what's the mass transit thing like? And he goes, now you need a car. <laughs> Any other questions I can help you with? So my girlfriend's dad owns a salvage yard in in New Jersey. Like, uh, uh, salvage yard. Fucking junkyard. Salvage yard. I wouldn't tell him that it's a that it's a and and uh, a Russian guy right you know came to this country and uh, great story. Uh, they came here as refugees. Literally the story of like I had forty dollars in my pocket. Lived with you know fourteen other families in a room about this size, like a jail cell. Uh, drove a cab. Learned learned English from watching TV. Wound up saving enough money to buy the medallion for the cab and then buying his own limo company. Real, a, a great success story. Uh, hated me. <laughs> also part of the story. Because uh, I'm not Jewish and I'm not Russian. And they had such aspirations for their daughter. The first time they met me, I, my hair was blue and I had piercings and tattoos. So we had always dreamed of. When we right. So now I got to now I got to ask my future father-in-law, hey, can I have a car? Something out of the junkyard because I'm taking your daughter a thousand miles from here to Missouri. How did that play? It didn't play well. It was, it was, I mean, at the time, and we, you know, I love the man now. We get along. He's got no choice at this point because, you know, I got his grandkids. Uh, I, I almost equated like a, like a, like a bond, like a bond villain where he took his, put his arm around me and he took me to where they crushed the cars. And he yelled for Yuri, his partner, to start the crusher. And as he's telling me that I better take care of his daughter, I'm watching a car being crushed. Oh, wow. And that is an honest-to-God story. There was some symbolism in the conversation. And he had acres and acres of just these junked cars. And I could easily disappear. (laughs) I could wind up in a trunk, stacked up on 
you know, who knows where, disappear for, for good. I said, yeah, okay, I, I will, I'll take care of your daughter, no problem. He's like, and he thought he, she'd be back in three months. Didn't think it was going to work out. Wasn't too faithful in your career. No, no, wasn't too faithful. I was a loser. I was a guy in radio. I wasn't a dentist or a lawyer who, you know, or a pharmacist. They always wanted their daughter to marry a, a pharmacist. And here was me, you know, making dick money. <laughs> Basically, going to St. Louis on, uh, you know, a wing and a prayer yeah. with really nothing. And, and my, my girlfriend, you know, wife, uh, had just graduated the Fashion Institute of Technology, which is, you know, top-end fashion yeah. school. What the hell is she going to do in St. Louis? Yeah. Uh, so he gave me a, a 1998 Honda Accord. I mean, what a piece of shit this car was. <laughs> Every state we drove through, a different piece of the car broke. <laughs> By Indiana, I was literally... Crawling out the, the window like Dukes of Hazard style because the door wouldn't open. But it was listen, it was a free car, and I didn't care. I went up selling the car for what I thought was going to be four hundred dollars, but as the mechanic put it on the lift, the water pump broke, and I wound up taking three hundred bucks for it. <laughs> but we moved out here. We moved to the Central West End. I wanted to get the closest yeah. to the kind of New York City kind of vibe that I could. Mm-hmm. So we moved into a, a, an apartment complex across the street from the Basilica, and we'd walk to restaurants and stuff. And I would take the Metrolink to work every every day. Wow. I would yeah. walk to Barnes, where the Metrolink stop was over there. I'd hop on the Metrolink, go to work, and because we only had the one car, and my lady would come pick me up at night. Look at you, kind of live in New York City, yeah. living in the Central West End. It's always great when new sponsors come on board the show, and it's even better when I meet with those sponsors, and I'm thinking to myself, man, this is someone our audience would most certainly benefit from talking to. And I'm talking about Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Now, I don't know about you, but from my standpoint, uh, since the theme of today's questions from the audience is regrets, here you go, I have a major regret about how I managed my money in my 20s and 30s. I'm, I'm legitimately almost embarrassed by it because there's no excuse. Like, if you're in your teens, it's like, okay. But, you know, I mean, this was bad. Uh, there's someone, however, who can help you. Doesn't matter if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever. Mark Hanna, H-A-N-N-A-H, of Evergreen Wealth Strategies is the guy. Now, I met with Mark and was thinking that it would be good to have a new sponsor on the podcast, of course. That's part of the game. But when I meet with people who I would either be endorsements doing endorsements for on the radio or on the podcast, I've got to meet them and make sure that I'm on board either with their company or the person themselves because you don't want to get in a spot where you're talking about somebody uh, and, and you're going, oh, in the back of your mind, this, this, is not, this is not somebody that I want to talk about. But then I'm meeting with him, and I, you know, as I want to find out what he's all about, sure enough, after like talking to him, For 10 minutes, I'm saying to myself, I wish I would have known Mark 20 years ago because I would be in a different position now by managing my money smartly then. That's what he can do for you. Give him a call at 314-889-0503. Again, Mark Hanna is his name. Check him out at evergreenstl.com. The key that people don't know about when it comes to managing money, and it's so important, the key is just having a plan. That's all it is. It really is. And even if you're going, I have no money to save, or I can't do this, I can't do it, it doesn't matter to have a plan and then have an idea of what's going on. And then maybe go, oh, I don't need to do this. I can do this. And it's so simple. 
He sits there with an iPad. He enters in your numbers, and then you have an idea, and that's all it takes. And how much that helps. Oh, I'm telling you. I sat with Mark. He opened up that iPad. He entered in the dollar figures. It could be your 401k. It could be your savings. It could be your investments. And he puts you and your family on the right path for what you want. He helps people every day, and he helps everyday people build a strategy to get to their financial goals. He helps build a strategy to put your kids through college, to keep you from having to work until you're 95 years old, to not get blasted on taxes, and make sure your family is taken care of in case the unthinkable happens. His name is Mark Hanna. Give him a call at 314-889-0503. That's 314-889-0503. Or check him out online at evergreenstl.com. I'll never forget my first experience with a Cards Cubs series at Bush Stadium, riding the Metrolink. So I'd get on the Metrolink around. For, to do my 6 o'clock shift, I'd get on about 3.30, 4 o'clock to go down to the radio station. And it was a Cards Cubs series. And inside, the cars were packed with just red. Everybody wearing their cardinal red. And I see one little speck of blue. And it's somebody wearing a Cubs jersey. And I didn't know how deep this rivalry ran. I knew of the Yankees, you know, Red Sox rivalry and how rough, you know, those kind of things would be. You know, I've seen D batteries and Jack Daniels bottles thrown at people at Yankee Stadium. I saw Cardinal fans physically remove a man wearing a Cubs jersey from the Metrolink of the next stop. <laughs> <laughs> I was always told it was a friendly rivalry. I guess it wasn't that day. This particular gentleman. But my question for you as a sports guy is, is the rivalry that deep in Chicago? I don't think so. I think the rivalry is more for St. Louis and at the peak in southern Illinois up through central Illinois more so than Chicago. Mm -hmm. That's what I sense. It's kind of like the Blackhawks fans who will be about 25% to 40% depending on how well they're playing at the Scott Trade Center. I don't feel like most of them are from Chicago. I feel like they're kind of in that mm, border. That gray area uh, of it could be, it could go either way. Come down here and start shit. That's kind of what I feel yeah, like is going on. I've always kind of wondered, you know, how how deep that rivalry ran. Well, with Kansas City, for example. I went to the University of Missouri, and I never thought anything. I was always kind of like, oh, Kansas City, they're in Missouri, so I'll cheer for them. And then I go to the University of Missouri, and these Kansas City guys like, fuck St. Louis. And I'm like, what the, where'd this come from? Yeah. And they got a thing with St. Louis. And they're like, you guys just want to be Chicago. And I'm like, very interesting. No, we don't. I mean, we, Chicago is the third market in the country. We kind of know where we are in the yeah. parking order. And they're like, well, you just think you're an East Coast city. And I'm like, where is this coming from? <laughs> <I don't, I don't laughs> an East Coast city. And so, like, when the Cardinals would play the Royals, it was a huge deal to them. Yeah. But I'm just kind of like, yeah, the Royals just aren't really good. And ideally, the Cardinals are in the playoffs again. Why yeah. Why are you so upset? I just would never get it. And it's like a big thing in sports talk radio in Kansas City to shit on St. Louis. Huh. I can't imagine they spend too much time in Chicago shitting on St. Louis. But you know what it is? You have to have an enemy. You have to have something to rally the troops. Absolutely. So there, I mean, thus, you, you got to rally around something. So... Your hatred towards whatever. And that's what it's about. Now, so in Chicago, what is it? God, I, I... The thing with Chicago is they have a couple of teams, and so I don't know if they go back and forth with the Cubs and the White Sox, but I mean, I feel like those are kind of two different worlds of Chicago. Yeah, it's like, it's like with the Yankees and Mets, you know, they were never really rivals. Until, what, the World Series and interleague play. Yeah. So, so you were a legitimate Yankees fan growing up in Queens? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my last name were is... Are you just being contrarian, or are they... No, my last name is Rizzuto. 
uh, Phil Rizzuto. Is there a relationship there? It's somewhere wondering. in there. Is it? Mm-hmm. So you got to be then. So was that the reason? Because yeah. It, yeah. Well, that's, a, that's a legitimate reason. Yeah. It's not just being like, oh, fuck you, I'm in Queens, I'm going to be a hard ass. Hall of Fame shortstop, you know, for the New York Yankees. That's a legitimate thing. I never got to be a bat boy or, you know, I never got free tickets. It was bullshit. Let's put that out here. I just got the last name, which is fine. It's fine. Which is fine. So you're in St. Louis. You're doing overnights now. I was doing nights. Doing nights. Which was great. So what's, nights. What's, what's the night? Six to ten. Well, that's a pretty good. Show. Oh, dude, it was awesome. Yeah. No kids. Uh, that's a pretty good. Show. No responsibilities. I mean, I'd sleep till three o'clock. Listen, ten o'clock. You get off at ten. People are Absolutely. people are still out. Oh, that's great. And you're in your what early twenties, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm 22, 23 years oh, old. It was that, awesome. That had to be the best. Yeah. So you're enjoying that. And in the meantime, Woody, who you, who you was doing afternoons, was doing afternoons. Right. But you didn't start working with him. I, I started in May of 2003. In November of 2003, uh, Woody was let go from from Amos. Okay. In St. Louis. What was the reason? Uh, who knows? Okay. And it could have been uh, any, any, any number <laughs> of things. I don't know. It could have been, you know, sticking candles up chicks' asses or having girls. <laughs> happens to the best of or, you know, having girls orgasm like on the air. Yeah, it'll happen. It'll happen. It'll accidentally happen. I know KMOX allows that, but not, <laughs> you guys but not the point. Tracking down on it. So you're, so you're doing nights. So his partner, or he gets fired. So he gets fired. Okay. He actually got fired to Chicago, which, which was funny. <laughs> nice fire. He got fired up to Emerson, in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I was like, "Holy shit!" The guy that brought me here, my buddy, is 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 gone. Right. And Tommy, you know, Tommy Matter assured me, "Hey, man, you're good. We like you. You know, we stick you around. Uh, was, you stick around." I wound up doing afternoons for a little while. As uh, an interim, or you were told you're the new afternoon guy? Uh, no, kind of as an interim. weren't really sure what right. was what was happening, and you know, around that time. So I did I did uh, afternoons for a little while. Then I wound up doing middays, which was 10 a.m to 2 p.m., which was another great shift. Yeah. What a great shift that is. That's banker's hours, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Still can sleep in a little bit right. and, you know, be done by, you know, 3 o'clock. I wound up also being music director at the point. I was really into music. So uh, I program all the music for the day and sit in on the music meetings and take meetings with record people and and then I wind up thinking, man, this job sucks. <laughs> so you, didn't, you didn't enjoy the management element of the gig? No, no, no. Because Tommy at that point was also program director for a station called Q101 in Chicago. So he was flying back and forth mm-hmm. from St. Louis and Chicago, and he kind of left me in charge of the St. Louis stuff when he was in Chicago. And, uh, yeah, you know, kind of dealing with that with that kind of stuff was no, not... No, no, really, it's an on-air guy getting into the management thing. I've been there. It's not the greatest thing in the world. I mean, it was it was all right. I like, I like responsibility. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a lot of work, and yeah, it just... I, I wanted to do other things. So you're doing 10 to 2... Yeah. Okay. And what year are we in at this point? We are, I believe, 2005, 2006, 2007. So you did that for a while. So yeah, I did that for a while. Event. All right. I did that for a while. And then my friend Woody had gone from Chicago to San Francisco. And he got let go in San Francisco. And his wife was, both our wives actually, were nine months pregnant at the time. Huh. So he got fired in San Francisco. With his wife? With his wife, nine months pregnant. His wife from St. Louis. So he moved back to St. Louis without a job and was looking for something. Always wanted to come back to the point. Kind of lobbied to come back. And, uh, you know, talking to management, they were like, hey, all right, we'll bring Woody back, but we want to team you up with him to do mornings. 
And I said, what do you think? I said, all right, you know, if we just make it the Woody and Rich show, that's, that's fine. So that's what happened. The day after my son was born, May 27th, uh, 2009, May 28th, Tommy called me and said, hey, we want to offer you the morning show. Uh, are you in for it? So May 29th, 2009, got the call about doing the morning show with Woody. And I said, yes. And then we did the show together for good four years, three, four years. Four years. And incredibly popular. Yeah, we did. We did good. Incredibly popular. How did how did he find working with you? I mean, it's one thing. I don't know how I would do if I, like, I was going to do a show with a, a friend of mine because you guys have known each other for what it sounds like about it. Yeah, yeah long longer than that. I mean, really? since since two thousand. Yeah. Yeah. So. so you're working together. The chemistry had to work because the show wouldn't have worked if there was no chemistry. Yeah, yeah. And, and I tell you was, what, he was he was kind of he wore the C on his sweater though, right? Yeah, because he had done mornings for so long, right. and I had no idea what the hell I was doing. I just knew how to do music shifts. Right. So learning and watching him work was just, I mean, amazing. Growing up in New York City, were you wanting to do more of a show? Or I didn't know what I was. I knew I just wanted to be on the air. Yeah. Somehow, I think I always envisioned myself a music DJ. I yeah. was so into music, uh, but at the same time, was a huge Howard Stern fan. Right. So I kind of maybe wanted to do a well, combo. That's kind of what you wound up doing then, because how many how many songs would you guys play? We'd play about two two songs an hour. Okay. And then, you know if it made sense. So it was the, the two of you. Was anybody or anybody else involved in the? We had Tony Patrico, who was a who was our who was our board. And uh, no, he was not in our board. He was our uh, a phone screener. I got him from doing promotions for K hits. And so what's, I always find because people go, how do you find these guys? That's what they'll say to me about where. But like because it's just like where did you find these characters? So I don't know what it is, but I gather you have the same. You see yeah, it. I. Exactly. And I don't know how to explain it. I'm just like, oh, fuck, there's something there. Because well, you, you see yourself in somebody. Yeah. You yeah. Go, I remember being the promotions guy, kind of doing the grunt work, you know, carrying the stuff, doing the bullshit jobs. And you go, man, this guy's working his ass yeah. off. You know, I could see he's kind of hungry for... Right. And that's not a fat joke for him. <laughs> Every time I see him pop up on Instagram, by the way, he's shrinking away. Yeah. Yeah. It he looks is. great. Yeah. That's a lot of hard work and dedication, you know, to, for where he's, you know... From where it was to where he is now, uh, but yeah, he, I'm like, do you want to do promotions and work for K Hits and do the adult Easter egg hunt at Queenie Park every year? Is that what? You, no, I want to be in there. Well, why don't you come and, come and be our phone screener? Right. And then you guys kind of wind up using him as he was our foil. He was our young. Exactly right, that's a good. Uh, he was, you know, the young kind of gopher guy to make fun of because you know he's he's about eight years younger than us. Uh, so kind of did the, did the Woody and Rich show for a while, and it was great. So now you're experiencing, I would imagine, popularity that you've never experienced before. I mean, I'm sure you had a following. Some, some good popularity and some not so good popularity. <laughs> that comes with the territory. I was know. at my kid's preschool, and somebody found out that I was the Rizzuto part of the Woody and Rizzuto show. And they go, oof, I got that. <sighs> No, because they found you to be vile. We were a bit, we were a bit more controversial back doing that show. We were shit disturbers. Yeah, but for was, sure. was that Woody? It was both of us yeah. kind of egging each other on. Yeah, he uh, listen. He was more the shit disturber. <laughs> there you go. Why not? He's never he going to listen to this. He's in he LA was. making millions of dollars. Mm. But so so you guys do. I mean, the show. I remember. I mean, the thing was so. It still is so popular mm -hmm. when you come on, and it's the Woody and Riz show, the thing's super popular. I mean, yeah, yeah. The morning show in St. Louis. I don't even know what would have been like. Who was on at the same time? I Bob and Tom. Yeah, but I mean, we, that's a. That's we took on Bob and demo. Tom. But who was the. They were kind of top.
top shit when we started. Yeah, but I mean, you and they worked for Casey. Younger audience, you know. I mean, it had to be. He was the kind of shit disturbing we did. So Bob and Tom were on Casey, which is our sister station. And remember, we did a contest called "Is It Older Than Bob and Tom." <laughs> How'd that play at Emmett? Didn't play well. I, I mean, one of the ones was, all right, Dirt, is it older than Bob and Tom? And, you know, it's like, Bob and Tom's older than Dirt. Yep, you're right. And I remember the general manager kicked open the door during the commercial break. goes, what the fuck are you guys doing? I've never seen him pissed off. Is this John Beck? John Beck. I can't picture John Beck pissed off. I saw it. This one got him. This, this, this one got him. So what would you do content-wise that you're like, oh, yeah, I look back on that, and I'm surprised we did that shit? Because you would have a lot of good oh, stuff my God. With, with lasses coming into studio. I we would do lesbian stories. See, that's wonderful. I love a good lesbian story. I can't get enough of it. My wife is so tired of me trying to get lesbianism going in the house. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's what I live for, and it's the best. Now, yeah. I don't think that would necessarily be a problem. But what would you do? Like, girls would come in? Oh, no, girls you, would call You guys would just read lesbian stories? Call, just, no, they would call in. Really? Never no, a shortage. Think they were re- it didn't matter if they were open. Didn't care. <laughs> didn't care. Make something up. Listen, the penthouse forum is all made up, too. It didn't matter. You had Fred from Dirt Cheap doing things, did you not? He was doing our Freak of the Week, right. our Craigslist that was Freak a of the Week. Idea. That was a that was Yeah, really God rest his soul. Amen. Amen. Fred was great. Yeah. He, uh, how did we even start with him? I mean, I imagine they had to be sponsoring, and then you heard his voice and go, shit, we got to You know what it was? He was one of our first sponsors, one of the first people that signed on to sponsor the show. So, I mean, such an iconic oh, character, right. you know, with the Dirt Cheap commercials. I mean, I think even Jay Leno, when he was doing The Tonight Show, featured one of the Dirt Cheap commercials as, like, you know, <laughs> funny commercials from around the from around the country. <laughs> I forget what it was. We Oh, I, I forget. It was, we had some kind of play we, we did, and we had Fred read one of the parts. I think we called it Master Hoosh Theater. Master Hoosh Theater, which is the biggest white trash story. That, that was a true story that something happened between listeners. And we had Fred play one of the parts. And he was such a great character. I mean, man, what else could we have Fred read? Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> so we'd pull these wacky Craigslist ads. We'd scour Craigslist looking for these, you know, is there a glory hole in West, you know, West County? I'm looking for, you know, something. And to have Fred read these ads. And I'm not sure if he was even aware of what the hell he was reading. <laughs> That's probably an important part of it. He didn't know what the he hell he was reading. The fact that he was calling out for glory. Try right? to explain Bukaki to a, to somebody in their late 70s. <laughs> Fred, we got you for a real quick Bukaki read. And then you can cut the dirt cheese over here with the So you're doing all this stuff. Were you ever slapped on the wrist by management outside of mocking your, your coach? Cohorts, the uh, sisters. Uh, no, again, we had such a. Great... I feel like you, for as popular as the show, usually what comes with a really popular show, especially on the FM side, historically has been like with Stern, you know, that they catch shit. Woody certainly caught shit, mm-hmm. you know, even though there's great talent, the ability to mobilize an audience, yeah, yeah. that somehow it'll go too far and then they get whacked. I don't feel like you've experienced that. Now, maybe you have. I'll tell you why we didn't experience that because we were so. We have such loyal sponsors. That's the key, and that's that's the, that's how you become a made man. Yeah, that's it. We have such loyal sponsors that when we would go and try to sign on a sponsor or a new, you know, somebody new wants to get on the show, I, I would make it a point. And I still make it a point to say, "Here's the show. This is what we do. You will never like almost like a take it or leave it. Like here, I know you want to be a part of this, but this is what we do. You will never dictate content. Uh, content. So if you don't like something." tough shit. You know, it's a partnership. It's a two-way, you know, I will always be respectful of 
of, of your business, and I will do what, 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 what is always best for your business. Mm-hmm. I will never be detrimental to your business. But uh, here's what's it may, sometimes we may get a little, you know, controversial, maybe not, but just here it is, and you're either with us or against us. We're not with us. That's good that you established that right out of the gate. Yeah. But then what happens is, because we've been lucky enough to have something similar in the sense that your audience is so loyal mm-hmm. that the sponsors then get a great return on their investment that they're like, fuck it, I don't care what these guys say. We're making money because we're on the show. Yeah. And listen, of course, there's a point to, you know, there's a line you, you get to where it's the point of no return. Right. Uh, but I think just having loyal sponsors and having a great partnership with the people that are sponsoring the show. And I think that's what kind of held everything together. So we've talked before. As long as you're making money, that's what, that's, you're good. That's what it's all about. And that's the thing that I found weird when, when I'm talking with people who want to get into this. And I don't know what you tell people. You were saying be a jack of all trades. You know, I went to the University of Missouri Journalism School and I was on a path to do all, you know, I did do television and all of that. But the thing they never told you about there is the importance of the dollars, which is, to me, the first commandment. Mm-hmm. That's the only way you have leverage. Any asshole can read off a teleprompter. Yeah. So I always will say to these younger people who contact me, I said, the key is to prove your worth by generating revenue. Otherwise, you're replaceable. And it sounds harsh, but unlike if you're looking at the Cardinals and going, oh, his ERA is six. He sucks. He's going to Memphis or getting mm-hmm. paid. With radio, the statistics are the dollars. It's just they're not public. Yeah. Now, I guess but what's different for me versus what you have to deal with, I guess, I don't even know if you worry about it because you guys are so successful. I worry about everything. Good. <laughs> then we'll talk about it. Ratings. Because for us, we don't get ratings. I don't even think the signal, well, I know the station doesn't subscribe to Nielsen. But yeah. in your world, it is material. But I don't know how material it is because you have sponsors, many of whom are local, that are like, yeah, I don't care if the ratings are great or shitty. We know we're getting a return. Yeah, so but it's still nice to show those sure. numbers. Because then you can throw your cock out on the table. Yeah, once it comes time to... Renew contracts every year. Sure. As here's far as they are. here's here's you what's guys going on. Number one for, I mean, right? Uh, I mean, you're in, in at least top three or something like that. Uh, the Rizzuto show has been number one for since it came on. How about that? How great does that feel? It's good. Yeah. And I would God, say so. I mean, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. I mean, I don't know. But I mean, we I don't take it. I don't take it for granted. Like the, the landscape of the market. And I'm not saying anytime I'll talk about shows, I never want to get into the thing, even though I get it. Uh, that part of the gig, especially we both grew up on Stern, mm-hmm. and he and he talks about it now because I was so consumed with wanting to kill my, you know, someone to have Fallon on or Stephen yeah, Colbert yeah. or Kimmel. Like, how can you not hate Colbert? How can you not? And they're just like, yeah, I don't know. We just, I don't hate anybody. I know. And, and so, I, but if, when I look at the market and people go, well, what shows do you think? I said, in my opinion, and I don't know because I'm not seeing the dollars, mm-hmm. there are four shows in the market, and I might be wrong. You might go, oh, this one I would have that I know the generator return for their clients. You guys, our thing, mm-hmm. Glover, and Frank Opinion. Yeah. All kind of different demographics, I think. I don't know that. Yeah. Have data. And that's not a shot at other shows. It's just those are the shows that if you're on it, you have a better chance than mm-hmm. not of making money. Yeah, as long as your show is valuable to your company, I mean... Then you're in a good spot. You're that's the golden. thing that I don't think young people, when they're coming up, they're told about that. They're like, oh, I got to get this interview. I got to get this 30 likes on my tweet or something like that. Yeah. It's immaterial. And it's tough to convey that. Yeah. Like you got to get sponsors and you got to give them a return. There's the business side of it. Yeah, that's what matters. That's the business side of it. Listen, I never wanted to wear a suit to work. That's why I never became a sales guy. I worked at a cube. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but it is part of, you know, going to, to lunches and. You know, going to meet with sponsors and stuff. I mean, that's all part of the game. Part of the game, exactly. It's not, not four hours. Exactly. And that's the thing. So we, that's what I was getting to. So we talked about this. It might have been at, like, the Emma's Christmas party. And you go, yeah, I get in at three. Mm-hmm. 
And I go, oh my God, I walk in here, you would drop dead. I walk in here, the thing starts at 7, I walk in here like it's 7.07. You gotta be kidding me. And that's how, <laughs> and I know, and, but to me, then they, the, the plowboy turns on the microphone and I just, and I go, and that's how Do you I prep work. at home? I guess I know the content because, you know, for our show it is, it's supposedly sports, it's kind of 30% sports, and so I know what the topics will be. Mm -hmm. But it's not like, okay, at 7.15 we're going to do this, and at 8.30 we're going to do that. It's just, it's it's straight improv, and that's how we've done it for 14 years. And yeah. When you said you did it at 3, I'm like, holy I, I think if I got in later, I wouldn't feel comfortable. Yeah. I need to have a plan going in. Like, I need to know we're doing this, we're doing this, we're talking about this, we're talking so about this. Is it a time plan, or is it just here's the list of things I want to do? I, I keep a schedule, so I have you a schedule. to it? Do you find yourself? No. Yeah, you know, like, that's what I was going to say. I can't imagine. No. I, I know in my head when I've played out something, and then I'll move to something else. You know, we, we uh, you know, it, it's it's not that it's rapid fire, but, you know, we have discussions and on different things. I mean, it's four guys, five guys sitting in a booth with a newspaper open, chatting about what's going on for right. the day. That's what and it see, is. So to me, I feel like you could, well, there's no doubt you could, it's just a matter of how comfortable you'd be. I wouldn't be comfortable with it. You would be comfortable with it, but you no. could do it. You know, I mean, I could. I live, like I said, two minutes from here. I'm up at five. It's not like I'm sleeping yeah. at seven and then running in. I'm up. I just, for whatever reason, I like. To if I myself. showed up at five, my guys would think I was dead. <laughs> <laughs> so you get up at two thirty. Two thirty. Go to bed at nine. Be yeah, nine o'clock. Are, are you just used to it by now? Uh, how could you get used to getting up at two thirty? That's what I was wondering. But I get up and I'm fine at this point. And I don't. But I'm, I get, but I'm getting up at five. You're getting up at two thirty. I get up and, and I and put my feet on the floor and I say, "Shit!" I cry in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? I try to sneak down down the stairs. My wife's got uh, you know fruits and vegetables in a blender for me to blend up, <laughs> and I take my shitty shake and I go <laughs> <laughs> and I, I drive to work sometimes unconsciously, somehow wind you know wind up at my at my chair and start my prep. And it's funny, the guy, like, we don't talk to each other until 5 o'clock. I was just about to ask that. I, I wouldn't, and it'd be nothing, I love the, I mean, I've worked with these guys now yeah. for almost 11 years with, with the, when you include Doug. The show's been on for 14 years. And people go, God, do you guys hang out and all that stuff? And I'm like, you know, we, we absolutely get along. Anybody who's just, like, fucks with anybody on the show, they fuck with all, everybody Yeah, on oh, the yeah. Show, and I know that. Oh, yeah. But it's not like I'm like, hey, the cat, what do you got going on tonight? You know, I mean, we, we do our thing, and then people are like, oh, that kind of sucks, you don't hang out. I'm like... But we, we, you know, the cat's in his 50s, Doug's in his 60s. I have a baby. You know, I mean, we're not, we, we not going to, like, be... We hang out. I mean, I, I tell you what, we... we but you have a lot of events that you guys... Well, not you don't have as many anymore. But, no, no, I've got to throttle back. But anytime I see on, like, Twitter, it's like, oh, there's Burton and Patrico. And, yeah. You know, or there's Moons here, or whatever the case Yeah, yeah, be. I've got to throttle back yeah, on, was, on some was, of that well, stuff. Well played, sir, whoever yeah. that. Yeah, my agent. <laughs> yeah, God bless him. God bless him. Very so, nice man. So you're, you're getting there super early, but there's a defining moment, what, about five years ago now, where Woody is... Picked up and went to Los Angeles. Los Angeles. So I remember, for as detached as I was and am from the FM side of things, that people are like, God, I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder too. Yeah. I wonder too. So what? So what played out there? Did they say you're the guy, or did they? Well, what played out guy? was, Woody goes, Hey man, I got this offer for iHeartRadio out in California, and that was Kansas his. Or LA. It was LA. Oh, okay. And that was always his dream. He's always had this dream of being in LA, being syndicated, and that really wasn't what my my goal is to be comfortable. 
it's not listen not saying that I'm, I'm complacent because I'm always you know evolving and want to do more but it's I got this job right now things are going good you know I got two kids I got a house my wife drives a fucking minivan <laughs> uh, which god we got rid of the minivan by the way uh, you know I'm, I'm happy here in St. Louis if I were to go to LA it would have to be for an exorbitant amount of money which I know I wouldn't get and it would be Woody's show. So I think I'm going to stay here. Oh, so he was talking about you coming with him. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? I didn't Briefly, know. yes. Briefly. I, I made my, my, I made it known that I was not interested in, in, in doing that. So the compensate, first off, we got to do the ratio of St. Louis to LA. Oh, dude, it's 40%. Is that what it was? Uh-huh. Okay, because like when I was considering moving to New York City, it's like 2.5x of St. Louis dollars. And maybe some people go, maybe more than that, three if you're going to live oh, in dude. Manhattan. Oh, dude. you're going to live in Manhattan. Oh, yeah. You know? Uh, so you were just like... I'm cool here, man. Cool. I love Even the point. Even if they said here's enough to... Would you have... Well, paid? listen, everybody's got a price. Sure. But... $10 million a year. Goodbye, St. Louis. <laughs> but they were, they were only at eight. Sure. Come on, if somebody said to you $10 million, oh, go on, New York. Woody, let's, let's be honest. Yeah, absolutely. So so then at that point, you know he's leaving. What are, how are things like between you two when that happens? Uh, are you happy for him or is it getting weird? We He made the decision to go for sure. It was over the Christmas break. He gave me a call. I was at my in-law's house. And he goes, I've decided to take the offer. I said, what? I didn't think he was going to take the offer. Why didn't you think he was going to take it? Because he said I wasn't going to take the oh, offer. That's a, good, that's a good tell. <laughs> I had already made it known that I wasn't going to do it. And then he says, uh, he says, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. He goes, I think they'll give you the morning shot. The morning shot. And I said, are they? I mean, do you think? I don't know. So I, I came back. I was in New Jersey. I came back to town. And uh, Tommy said, yeah, I think we'll give you a shot. I'll give not you not a necessarily shot. a ringing endorsement, but no, he was he. We got full confidence in you. Okay. We have full confidence. So it was from January to the first Rizzuto show was April first. So from January to April first, you were in a trial period. No, Woody and I were still working oh, together. So working together. Oh shit. Okay. We were still working together, and then we slowly switched chairs. Like I took the captain's chair, and then he moved into my chair. How that. Uh... And he was probably fine because he knows he's going to L.A. He was going to L.A. I mean, I think at one point he checked out. <laughs> I would. Come on. Would, you wouldn't? Right. No, and I'm, I'm a short timer here. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. And we crazy. slowly switched chairs. Uh-huh. And then come April 1st, it was Patrico and I were by ourselves. That's what I was wondering. What was the crew? Okay, so it was you. I took, Patrico from, I took Patrico from the phone room and put him as my second chair and brought Moon, who was in Story of the Year at the time, uh, he was looking for something more steady. He didn't want to tour anymore. And he called me. I actually had I actually had another producer in mind who two weeks before we started wound up quitting to go work for the World Series of Poker or some shit like that really? in North Dakota. I'm like, you got to be shitting me. <laughs> I'm like, two weeks away from starting this. No, nah, man, I got to had to do, you know, it was more I money. Would, that would I would be freaked. I'd lose sleep over that type of shit. And then Moon happened to be like, hey, man, I'm looking for a job. And I'm like, I am looking for somebody to kind of come on. James Carlton of State Farm Insurance is just a fine, fine guy. And as a matter of fact, we've been talking about how great he is as far as knowing his business, the customer service of his business at 314-961-4800 or applying online at carltoninsurance.net. But... James was telling me, we had lunch uh, earlier this week, as a matter of fact, and man, that guy knows how to pick out sushi for the record. 
Uh, he was telling me that uh, several of the listeners of the Tim McKernan show have contacted him about life insurance. So it got him to, uh, to thinking uh, about making sure that we talk about life insurance in the course of uh, talking about James Carlton. So if you're buying a house, getting married, or have a growing family, make sure your loved ones will be okay if you don't make it home. Call James at 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net to see just how inexpensive it is to protect your family through term life insurance. Although the worst is unlikely, none of us would leave the driveway without strapping our little tykes into a car seat. Life insurance is no different. Although it's not likely that you don't make it home tonight, it's not a risk worth taking when it comes to providing for your loved ones. State Farm is the number one provider of term life insurance in the U.S. So call James Carlton at 314-961-4800 or apply online at carltoninsurance.net. If someone wrote you a check for two times your salary to never work again, most of us would say, not a chance in hell that I'm cashing that. However, many of us solely rely on group coverage to protect our families. It's great if your employer provides that benefit, but most of us with families know there's no way they would be okay with just two times our salary if we passed away. Call James today at 314-961-4800 or apply online at carltoninsurance.net to see just how inexpensive it is to make sure your loved ones are protected. I obviously met him now, but before he emailed me, probably, certainly before working with you, but a year or so around that time, and he said, I want to, you know, intern or produce on the yeah. show. And I just was like, dude, you get here in a band. I said, dude, you don't need to be messing around over here. You got, I had, and then when he saw him, the first time I met you at that Christmas party at Emma's, and he goes, yeah, man, I wanted to work with you, but you just told me, you know, you, you shouldn't do it. And I'm like, what a fucking asshole I Well, am. think about, think about the music industry, you know. You're touring, you're touring, you're touring. He's got 700 kids. <laughs> He's got 700 kids. And, you know, life on the road is tough. You're not making, you know, as, as much money as you think. Mm-hmm. And you want something steady and you want to be there for your kids. Yeah. You know, not, you know, Skyping from, you know, Barcelona. Right, right, right. You know, when there's a milestone in St. So I took him on and we were missing one thing. We are just missing. The soup was almost, the stew was almost perfect. We were just missing one element couldn't figure out what the hell it was so it was uh, the three of us doing the show it was fine uh but then jeff burton i know he was, he was doing some am stuff yeah he was here at this station it wasn't that this particular right. ownership group yeah he was here and, and i uh, remember thinking to myself what the hell is he doing here i said i said i said uh, i called him up out of the blue we hadn't talked in a while uh, he was not a big fan of of, of woody's and uh when he was doing afternoons for a while, and he kind of unceremoniously got let go from the point, uh, and we kind of stopped talking, and I kind of called him out of the blue. I'm like, hey, man, I'm looking for somebody else. What do you think? You come in for about a week to audition. And he was so grateful that I called. I think he wanted to get the hell out of here. Oh, yeah, big time, in a major way. I felt fucking terrible for him because he would kind of check in with me. You got anything going on? Yeah. like... I'm sorry, man, because I knew he was super talented. Yeah. I knew he was just kind of rotting away doing what he was doing. And then I'm like, oh, shit, that's great that he popped up with Yeah, well, I'll be honest. I remember being out after the show one day. I'm like, I'm just going to call him. I was nervous. I thought he was going to tell me to go fuck myself. So what, there was tension between you guys? Eh, there really wasn't, but, but it, was it was kind of a... Between him and Woody? It was kind of a guilt by association kind yeah. of thing. They didn't really get along that well, and... Well, he had been, so he had been doing afternoons when you guys when were we were morning. doing mornings. So there was tension between yeah the hosts of the show. Yeah, I think so. 
I gotta ask why. I don't know. Hey, listen, you know, sometimes real people, egos get involved, and you're somebody's not being paid attention to more than another person. You know know the way it is. Mm Uh, and then, well, Jeff was with Tom West, and then, you know, that whole thing fizzled out. So, you know, long story short, picked up the phone, kind of cold called Jeff. He came in to do, a, you know, a week with us, and I was like, man, we got to keep this. Like, this is this is it. This is the show. This is the show. Yeah. So, that's it. Well, how great is it that you could go to management and say, hey, we need to add... X amount of dollars in order to hire this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a nice position. To be yeah, in. it was it was good, and, and they had all the confidence in the world. I didn't have any confidence in myself. <laughs> I'm like, this is going to end at some point. In fact, they wanted to offer me a contract to write at, in April. I was still working on my Woody and Riz contract, which was up in September. So they wanted to re-sign me in April for some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> they were going to come in low. Yeah, oh, yeah. they came in low, and I said. Uh, I said, you know what? I'm going to stand on my current contract until September, and we'll we'll renegotiate then. Wow, you bet on yourself. And For I saying think, you have no confidence, that's, that was a ballsy play. And uh, my agent, I had an agent, and uh, he, was, uh, he was like, all right, man, are you, are you sure? I said, he says, this is some guaranteed money here. He goes, what if it doesn't work? I said, well... Then I'll go work at the junkyard in New Jersey. <laughs> I always have a plan B. <laughs> There's always a backup. I work at the salvage yard. And uh, I think my wife goes, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I said, I, I think I got a feeling about this. And by September, we were we were number one by far in every demo. 1849, men, female, persons. 2554, men, female, persons. So... I wound up being in a good position when it came time to renegotiate. You had the leverage. Yeah. You had the juice at this point. Yeah. And so, what, do you sign a long-term deal at that point? Three years. Those are long in radio world. Three years. And then I, I, I'm in my second year now of my new, my new deal. Uh, so, yeah, things are... Yeah, I mean, the thing things is are so, okay. so popular that... It, it's not by design. Well, I, I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, you just kind of... St- I mean, I feel like we stumbled into it. Do you feel the same I am way? the luckiest dude to have the guys I work with, A, and to have the audience that we have just loyal and passionate and willing to go to the end of the earth for us. See, that, I mean, I'm, I'm saying the exact same thing. You guys thing. have the same it's thing the same with your thing, with your lemmings. It's it, the it, same it, thing <laughs> as Team Riz. So I don't, I don't know how... I just... And I don't know, I don't know how it happens. I remember asking Tommy... Uh, and this was a few months ago, and I said, yeah, how's everything going? He's raving about it. And I said, so Woody's out in L.A.? And he goes, yeah, he's doing really well. And I go, let me ask you, because I'm curious, and I wonder what your answer will be to this. I said, what makes him so good? Because honestly, I just never really, because I am on, it, I was on at the same time as you guys. Mm-hmm. Now, I obviously had What met. makes Woody good? That's what, so that's what I asked Tommy. And he gave an immediate answer. And his immediate answer was, and then I thought about it. I go, well, shit, that is, I guess when I get down to it, that's the key. This is a lesson for all the young t- Drive. You would say drive. I would say drive. He's consumed by being as, as high as he can in the industry. Oh, my God. This is a guy with a goal since he was a kid to do this yeah. and to be on radio stations across the country. That's, that is the no matter what it takes, it's going to happen. Yeah. And he's certain, got it. He's got what he's on. How many stations? It's about 30 stations. 30 stations. Tommy said, but, then I'm, but this is what you guys have going, too, you in particular. He mobilizes the audience. Yes. 
So whether it be you mobilize them to the sponsors, which of course is critical, but you also can mobilize the audience for a cause. So I'm sure you guys do all kinds of charity. Well, we do. Had that what radio funding? Oh was, yeah, we raised fifty some odd thousand right. dollars. I mean that was a radio station thing, but I mean we do stuff with our kind of club members uh, who come in their in their soccer jerseys that say you know the Rizzuto Show and Team Riz on the back yeah. to all our events. Yeah. I mean we do. Uh, uh, we do the walk for pancreatic cancer every every September, which has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger every year. Uh, we last year we started this we call it Eat and Treat for a kids rock cancer at the Chesterfield Amphitheater. It's a food truck thing. I always wanted to do a food truck thing. Yeah, so like, let's play. do a food truck thing. Best. Yeah, I've, I've gone to a few of those out of town, and they're, I'm just like, yeah, those are the funnest nights. So we we booked it kind of last year at the Chesterfield Amphitheater, and I'm I remember the morning of the of the event, I'm like, oh my god, I hope like 200 people show up. We had over 10,000 people there. Holy shit. Yeah, it was insane. Insane. Wow. Uh, and we got some uh, new, our New Year's celebrations. Uh, yeah, you guys do that with, like Westport, right? Yeah, we've been selling out Westport Plaza, the hotel there, the ballroom. I right. mean, we'll have 500 people. Yeah. And then stay at the hotel yeah. with, with the listeners. Yeah. And we'll have, you know, Moon's Band play. Yeah. And, you know, all you could drink. I mean, it's been it's been great. Uh, last year we did our first the Riz Show Night at the Blues game. Yeah, I saw that. So what were you doing for that? We did all the in-game stuff. Oh, did you really? We did all the in-game activities, whether it be, you know, follow the puck. I mean, we did the job of the in-game hosts who had to take the night off. They didn't like that. (laughs) But we did all the in-game stuff. And the Blues said it was their highest rated. uh, They showed me the numbers. The highest rated specialty night they almost ever had in the history of the Blues. Really? Honestly, how does that make you feel when you hear that type of stuff? What the hell? Right. Isn't that the weirdest thing? Like when I when we come, like when the first time we do, we you do a lot of hot shot stuff. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of hot shot stuff, and we do a live show out there. I don't know. Would you be able to do that? I mean, I know you'd be able to, but would you be comfortable? No. Because the quote quote quality of the show. I know changes. you. I know you guys do. You know, you're you're out and about stuff, and you guys get huge crowds. To do that, I, I'm comfortable. The studio, the studio is the the studio is the sixth member of the show. Yeah. Honestly, it's it's true. I do it because we it's part of the deal. Mm-hmm. So I get it. It drives the audience and therefore it drives traffic. But from my standpoint, it's a totally different style of show. If I had it my way, I would be in the studio all the time, probably for the same reason you and Frank mm-hmm. say that. But the first time we ever did one, and I pulled up. And my wife was with me, and I go, God, somebody's got something going on here tonight. I wonder what the fuck's going on at this place. You know, it was like next to Nippon Tay, right? Yeah, yeah. Hot shots. And I go, God, Nippon Tay must be having a half off night. Was it us? And it was our show. Oh. I didn't know. <laughs> you guys were in Patrico was doing a sushi. <laughs> no, it was. A sushi eating contest? Yeah. And so I'm like, oh my God, these people are here to watch us just sit at a fucking. It's table. crazy. I know. That's the and thing. And I love it and I appreciate that's it. And that's the thing. So it never, even though we. I don't know who's dealt with more bullshit. I would have to think I have, but maybe you have. I don't know because we go through ownership changes mm-hmm. and have dealt with so many. Who fucking knows? But either way, we know we deal with bullshit off the air and you try to compartmentalize that yeah. as much as you can and then still do the show. I still go, God, even if it ended today, I got to fuck off and make a nice living. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you just be like, yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. It's you a great run. So you're sitting here, but you're in late 30s, I gather? I'm going to be 40 on Friday. All right, I'm 41. Oh, wow. So oh, this is this is big, 40 on Friday. Yeah. What do you got going on? My wife's going to throw me a little shindig at the uh, at the homestead. 
this would be a good time to ask for the lesbianism. Uh, yeah, we got 50 of our closest friends coming by. <laughs> 50, of our, not 50 of our closest lesbian friends coming by. We're just going to put tarps out and just hope for the best and see what happens. Just going to be liquored up and see what happens. So, uh, but when you're sitting there, you're only, I mean, still, when it's, with all the success and as long as you've been in the market, to only be at this moment, 39, 40 here in a couple days, that's a pretty good spot. Yeah. Because in this market, you can, if you get it going and you have a following, you can... Man, there are a couple guys in this market. Now, now let me ask you, who in this radio market are the guys you'd like to mold your careers after? Because I still, I still look for mentors. Yeah, I mean, so much of it has to do with more of the way that people conduct themselves away from the studios. Of course, yes. You know, which is a weird thing because some of the people you kind of go, oh, you know, I wouldn't really want to work with them. Mm -hmm. uh, so... I mean, I feel like when Hewlett's done for as long as he's John Hewlett's on my list, and then and then he's like just like the like a first class guy. Mm -hmm. uh, what Glover has done, kind of, which it's you know it sounds like it was an accident. Mm -hmm. he built a radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has you know the, the number of people he does following him. You know, to watch John Hewlett come in, and I'd say Franco Pena. Franco to watch John Hewlett come in every day, he he, he rolls in. You know, whenever he rolls in. And, uh, and it could be after a late Cardinal game. I mean, God bless oh, the guy for doing that. But uh, he walks in, and I could see him from the window, and he carries a briefcase. And I'm, I'm always thinking, what the hell's in the briefcase? <laughs> what is what does briefcase? he possibly need in the briefcase? <laughs> that every, is it his headphones that he doesn't leave at the, at the, at the station? <laughs> Crackers? <laughs> is it his lunch? Uh, no, I look at John Hewlett, who's been, I mean, He's been a Casey for 40 years. I know, he's amazing. 40 years at one radio station. It's unheard of. I look at um, Guy Phillips, you know, who's... Yeah, who's, who's, that's who's a nice play. Had a very, very long career in this market. Yeah. You know, made some good money, raised their families here, uh, has, has had tremendous success, and kind of happy with what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Yeah, I asked Dave that, because he's had opportunities to go elsewhere. It's like, yeah, I just, I kind of... I'm happy here. And again, it's, there's a difference between being happy and complacent. Yes. You know, and I, and I, I try to dis distinguish. So then, I, then that leads me to this question. So where do you see it going? I, I feel like, like I'll have a, a business manager who goes, you guys are fine because you have the content. You mm -hmm. own the content. And as long as you have the content, you have the audience, you have the sponsors, it doesn't matter. Because we bounced around from station to station. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. The podcasting thing is intriguing. Your guys' podcast is absurdly popular. Well, we take the show, cut everything up, and, and then put, it, put up. it out. Right, exactly. So we bounce in and out of the top 200 on the iTunes chart. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, but now what I have found, and I don't know if you found it as well, so we'll do these live events, and whether it be the hotshot stuff or otherwise, you know, I'm, I'm 41. As I said, the cat's in his 50s, Doug's in his 60s. Mm -hmm. But yet our audience is like in their 20s and 30s. And I'm going, where'd you guys come from? You know, and they go, oh, it's like the best podcast to listen to this podcast. Yeah. And that's where it is. That's how you're keeping the audience young. Now we just got to make money off it. I know. That's the thing. I mean, here I am hosting a podcast, get great guests. Yeah. People, when I'll sit out down with them about advertising, they're like, and I sit there and I'm explaining how it works. And they're kind of like. It's tough. It's tough. It's an uphill climb. It's tough. But the to... people who are advertising the podcast love it because they're like one of only a handful of advertisers as opposed to like a It's bunch. tough to get people's minds wrapped around what this is like an end but what it is is the future it, it's actually it, the present but for an economic structure i think it will be the future of to explain to a potential advertiser like hey you know great thank you for advertising on the radio but just letting you know 
there's almost just as many listeners on the podcast side of it too. So you'll be hitting kind of right. almost two different audiences, right. you know, that don't listen to this and kind of doubling. It's to have people wrap their mind around something so new is it's it's a struggle. It's an uphill climb. And if I if I'm in a sales meeting and I find myself explaining how it works, I already know I'm not going to get the deal done. I already know that. Mm-hmm. If they're hip to it and they podcast, they're like, "Oh my god, I can get that. I want to be on that." Period. Yeah, yeah. That's the way it is. You guys also we were talking about this before we started the, the video streaming. Yes. That's a big part. Of I always forget about that sometimes. But I mean, I think that's something your audience would, I would imagine they love. Man, that. people are such voyeurs. I mean, we could be sitting here chatting like this, and people are and just people right? are sitting there watch. Yeah. And people will send me screenshots or just pictures from inside their living rooms with our show and our four, five ugly faces on their TV in their living room, on their smart TVs <laughs> while they're getting ready for work, just, just and like watching it like watching. a watching like yeah. a TV show. It's it's amazing how radio is not just radio anymore. Exactly. Uh, it's other things. So how off, how active are you on social media? You personally, obviously Me, the show is following, but do you... You know what's my social media? This is my social media. Yeah. Why should I give shit up on Twitter or Facebook when my social media is talking on the radio? There's nothing more social than that. I don't know if you're familiar with I'm sure you have New York guy, Francesa. Yeah, yeah, Mike Francesa. So, so we love to play his clips. I don't know what the fuck he's doing, but either way, it's working. I like watching him fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, that's a great one to have. Listen, I used to listen to Mike and the Mad Dog when I was a little kid. Yeah, that's got to be your thing if you're oh, a yeah. New York guy. So we play those clips, and he's like, listen, I got a big thing coming out. It's called an app. And we're going, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> you know? And I'm like, oh, you know, but... I, but but he's also said I'm never going to do Twitter. Now he finally started. Now he's on Twitter. Twitter exactly. I I'm on Twitter. I hardly ever tweet. I'm on Twitter too. And I, every once in a while, when I think about it, I'll I'll I'll, I'll tweet. But I I like to save stuff for the radio. Right. Like that is my social media. Right. It sounds old school, and I may sound like a grump when it comes to man. Why are you putting everything on social media? Why are you putting you know save it for the radio? I feel like I get it. With social media is you. you both of us are fortunate enough to have a pretty nice thing going. And then you say one thing, and it can sound wrong, or you're just in a bad mood, and and it can destroy. We your have heard career. many, many instances of people destroying their careers with with a, uh, you know, 140 characters. Yeah, and it's just like, what's the upside? Or if I do say something, and I really believe it, then somebody goes, "Fuck you," you know. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, now I got to deal with this guy. Do I block him? Do I mute him? Do I respond? Think about you being at your house. You got your shoes off. You're sitting on your couch. Your kid is playing wherever, doing his thing. You know, your, your lady's doing her thing. You're sitting on the couch. You're mindlessly, you know, going through Twitter on your phone. And you got a thought, and you just put it down, and you press send, and that's it. You t- turn your phone off. Next thing you're getting blown up going, dude, what did you write? What did you just do? You undid everything you have worked for. Exactly right. Every, I warned the guys, like, dude, just watch what you say. Think, as I said, in your head it should be, what would Riz do? <laughs> <laughs> would, would I be pissed? Uh, yeah, listen. You take pictures of your kids. You know, you gotta. You know, you're out and about. You're showing off something. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> whatever. Uh, but save your most deep, intimate thoughts for the radio. This is our social this media. Is what our social media is. I like that. It's, I think Glover said something along those lines too. Because yeah, I'm aware of it. We have an account, but I don't mess with it. I don't want to do anything. I got a show. I'm on for. Oh, I know it's part of it. I know we have to promote ourselves. And, hey, listen, join me at Hot Shots in Wentzville, mm-hmm. you know, Friday for uh, your ladies' night. Yeah. You know, I get it. And, you but know, you're when you're gonna, there. like, spew off a political take or, you know, say, what the I'm not gonna be at, doing with this? I'm not going to be at the airport complaining about my plane being late, <laughs> which people love to do. I don't know. 
I'm like, ah, oh, this kind of cliche tweet. We've all seen it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, thanks. You tweet at the airline. Thanks, Southwest. Yeah. My plane's delayed a half hour. I'm inconvenienced. Yeah, for, okay, what the hell are they going to do? Looking for a free flight in return. It, it, it's just a, it's, man, just, we live in strange times. And as broadcasters, we really need to be careful. Do you guys get into politics at all? I, I can't imagine that. If it's I, something big, yeah, I'll talk about it. Uh, I, I, you know what I talked about the other day that people got pissed about <laughs> was uh, was Alex Jones, the Infowars right, guy, right, right. who was thrown off, you know, Facebook, and he was thrown off. He's, the guy was thrown off Pinterest. <laughs> I didn't even know he was on. Pinterest. <laughs> he was on Pinterest, <laughs> uh, and you know, iTunes and and whatever. And I said. I'm like, I'm not I'm not going to say that I agree with Alex Jones on pretty much anything. The guy's kind of a whack job when it comes to his conspiracy theories. But as a broadcaster, I can't get behind censorship. I just have a hard time getting behind censorship yeah. in any in any way. I just don't feel comfortable with, especially since Facebook and Twitter have they've kind of put themselves out there as the public forum. You know, kind of say what you want to say, and then I just and then I got well, fuck you, you know. Uh, fuck Alex Jones and fuck you for even saying that. I'm like, why did I even wander down this? Path? Why did I even wander down this path? Yeah. Did any of your cohorts push back on you with, with, with that? Did no, 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 no. They kind of sit there all? silently. <laughs> They're like, oh, fuck this they let this guy dig his own. I'll go. Anybody? Anything? No. No. <laughs> Anybody? Let me take a look at that. You're right you're good. No. Save the political stuff. Uh, you know. Could you ever see yourself doing that? Because you have seen some. No, no. No, my brother is uh, in politics. My brother, he's not a politician, but he works in uh, political talk radio and he works actually for CNN now. And uh, he lives and breeds that stuff. And I'm like, how do you do it? I used to enjoy talking about it because you kind of be debating philosophy. And sometimes, oftentimes, all the time, there isn't an answer. But now you're running into people who are essentially plagiarizing what they saw on cable news the night before, and then you just wind up shouting at each other, and it's unproductive. I hate that shit. Me too. Regarding what you guys used to do with, uh, like, lesbian erotica phone mm-hmm. calls and the girls coming in and so on and so forth, have you found that now in 2018... Uh, it's, it's, we don't do that. It, you don't mess with it anymore? Nah, not really. Was that your own choice, or did somebody say, hey, best not to do No, no, no. I, I will say that nobody's ever told me what not you to do. You just sensed that it wasn't I sensed maybe this kind of played itself out. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of the old show. Right. You know, kind of moving on. What we still do is our real or fake competition. Which is a wonderful, wonderful competition. Which is, you know, our, our lovely listeners would send pictures of their boobs in. Right. Covered. You want always. Clear. Always covered, whether it be with, uh, I don't know, Photoshop or whatever. <laughs> Uh, however they want to present them, they present them. Uh, you know, we guess whether they're real or fake. And that has kind of taken on a life of its own. And I can never get rid of that segment. <laughs> That's the signature. And, you know, we've had feminists kind of be like, how d- it's 2018 and you're still objectifying women. I said, listen, we're not going to their houses, taking their pictures, not of their free will and sending them into ourselves and, and talking about it. These are women. I'm thinking it's empowering. <laughs> It's you empowering. A, you have a success rate. Who has the best success rate on whether or not they're? It's 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 it. Everybody's pretty much in the same spot. Jeff Burton is terrible at it. Really? He's the worst. I'd be curious how I would do with this. I feel good about it. Like with as much as much adult film as I watch, I feel it's like tough. It's still tough. Really? It's tough. Really? We've had doctors try. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You can't. You can't tell. 
Do they ever include their faces or they just... Nope. I don't want to see them. You don't want to see them. I don't want to see the faces. And in fact, sometimes the women who have sent their pictures in will reveal themselves at our events. Go like, hey, remember me? I was week three, you know, picture two. And I'm like, this kind of ruins it for me. (laughs) Not that I don't want to see you, but I like the anonymity of it. And we've always kept it anonymous. And and the fact that women, you know, kind of like to get the freak on a little bit and send it in themselves... Or even, you know, the, a husband would say, hey, send in your your, your tits to see if yeah, the guys... Did the husbands ever do this on their own? Like, oh, sir? yeah. Oh, wow. Of course, with their ladies' permission. Of course, as important to say. You know, with their... Probably a good chance. It's uh, oftentimes... I don't you know. You don't know. We were I don't know. that nobody at the show knows one the, and, and the punishments we have. So we have a competition where there's a point system where it's one point for a correct answer, real or fake. And we have a lock of the week which is your most confident pick, which will get you two points if you get it right, and locked out regardless of your other pick, zero points. Uh, if you're wrong, and we play to 21 points, and whoever gets 21 first, the loser, the last place person, the cellar dweller, has to suffer whatever the consequences are. We've done everything from speedo first pitch at a... At a, at a uh, Actually, I had to do that one, uh, which was go down to the Gateway Grizzlies game and throw out the first pitch and just wearing a Speedo. We've had uh, Jeff Burton lost once and had to get the winner's initials tattooed on him. Oh, damn. That happened. Legitimate penalty this thing. Uh, eating cockroaches. I feel like anytime I see something, Patrico's eating something awful. Yeah, there's that. We've had a chef come in to create a disgusting meal. Uh, Jeff Burton had to wear a T-shirt with Patrico's face on it for 30 straight days. Uh, Jeff had to get piercings. Uh, he had to dye his hair, uh, bleach his head uh, for 30 straight days. Uh, I had to do five minutes of stand-up comedy at Helium Comedy Club. How did that go? Great. Really? Yeah, then I retired after. You retired. You're done. You're not going to go out and become the next Carlin. No, no. I had a great experience doing it, but never do it again. And we've done some crazy, crazy shit. That's the best, so, though, it? especially if it works. One of the greatest ones we ever did was, in fact, Patrico and Jeff lost this one. They were both tied for last place, was walking from Union Station to the new station in, in Creepcore. They did that? They, they, they walked. Did. They walked 15, I think it was actually 18 miles. 18 miles from Union Station to City Place in Creepcore. How did that, uh, how, how long did that go and how did it go? It took seven hours. Seven hours exactly. Wow, I would have thought it would take longer. Nope. Uh, it was about 100 degrees that day. And they did it. And it was one of the greatest things we've ever done. We GPSed them, so we had them tracked. And listeners go onto our interactive map and track them. <laughs> and for 18 miles, Every other car would honk their horn, <laughs> and we had people lined up along the along the road, handing out waters. One guy walked a mile with an umbrella, holding it over Patrico's head to block him from the sun. <laughs> it was amazing. And the people came out. That's how loyal the our fans are. It's, it's amazing. I mean, it's just you sit there and you go, God, this is what I was at journalism school. I went to, you know, working in high school and in college and. And now you do something that we could have, you know, retired from education and yeah. first grade and done this shit, and it's just unbelievable. The punishment we have now is uh, I uh, somehow um, got a ten mannequins. They were for sale, and I was like, I, how could I not? How could I not buy these for fifty bucks? So I have ten mannequins, and the loser has to have the mannequin with them at all times for a week, including 
uh, taking the mannequin by yourself out to dinner. <laughs> and you have to dress the mannequin up every day. And you have to bring it everywhere you go. And if you're caught without the mannequin out and about, you have time resets. So you got to go back. And when you take this mannequin out to dinner, it's got to be a, a waiter, a waiter uh, kind of situation. And if they ask, what's the deal with the mannequin? You have to say, what mannequin? <laughs> Who comes up with this shit? Is this all in your mind? The winner has to, the winner of the competition comes up with the next punishment. Ah, there's some creative genius in here. Yeah. Oh, that's good shit. That's good shit. So so we don't know when, when will this be determined? Uh, I, I think need, we're, I in, want to drive we're in week six now, and Tony Patrico has 15 points. So He's in trouble? No, he could close it out. I oh, mean, okay. So you get the and right. Jeff's in last place again. So <laughs> he's sitting there with the mannequin. <laughs> All you have to do is just not lose. Because <laughs> yeah, some of these things are fucking brutal. Oh my god! What was the worst one? Man, the walk was was terrible. Yeah. Uh, eating a eating a hissing cockroach was ah. terrible too. Jeff lost out. Dude, the tattoo, getting your name, yeah. getting somebody's initials tattooed on you. I don't. I feel like I wouldn't. I don't know if I would sign off on that. What happens if somebody? Everybody's got to agree. Everybody's got to agree. So you guys all agreed that you'd get the the winner's initials. On. Everybody's got to agree. What, does Burton have this on his ass now, or what? He's got it on his arm. He's got it on his arm. He's got Moon's ta- uh, initials and Patrico's. They were two winners that <laughs> that competition. So we got. We got <laughs> I mean, there's been nipple piercings and. There's stuff where it would affect our families that we've kiboshed. <laughs> it was like losing your driver's license for two weeks. Like, imagine losing your driver's license for two weeks. It's just like you with uh, getting on Metrolink when you moved here. And then my my wife is like, no, because that affects me. So, no. <laughs> I don't want to cart your ass around. Listen, man, I've kept, I don't even know how long I've kept you. I feel like it's been like an hour and a How long have we talked? We could I, talk for another two hours. We really could. I've enjoyed the hell out of it. I, I'm dead serious. Oh, uh, but the, Tommy says hi. Tommy says hi. Tell Tommy hello. Uh, we were down when, when we were both doing our family vacations. We happened to be like a mile from each other. Really? I realize it, yeah. Uh, I guess about a month ago. Love that guy. Uh, enjoy the hell out of it. Uh, the show is absurdly popular. Congratulations. Thank you. And you as well, man. I, I, I think we both have the most loyal fans in radio uh, in this city, yeah, without a doubt. I feel so fucking lucky. Because Absolutely. It's not, like, it's not like we sat down and go, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this. It just kind of happened. Not only wrong, we work, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's a, just a great It's, it's a great job. Oh, my God. The hours suck. All right. But, <laughs> but other than that. But I wouldn't want to do anything else. Yeah. I mean, just to be able to fuck off and make a living, it's the best. Congratulations. I've loved the conversation. Thank you. And uh, and once again, uh, Rizzuto, every day, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. on 1057thepoint.com. Thanks, brother. Thank you. So there it is, Rizzuto, with us here from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Thank you to Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies for presenting Rizzuto today on the Tim McKernan Show. Really enjoyed the conversation. I don't know if I've ever come out of one of these and going, yeah, I didn't really enjoy that conversation. I guess if it were to happen, I would I would probably just not overstate how much I enjoyed it. But I really liked that one, and that was one where, I, th- I don't know, Iggy will, will tell me the time on the thing, but I would imagine it was close to 90 minutes. It might have been longer. And then we wound up talking for like another 20 minutes afterwards. So the point being, we could have kept going. Um, but I just get to a point where I'm like, man, these people have other things to do and I can't just keep hoarding their time, but, uh, enjoy the conversation. And I guess the thing that I would say we both share, um, would be an appreciation for how lucky we are to be able to not only do this, which is, 
you know, I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, we're just lucky. I mean, it's like, like, like we said at, at the end of the, the interview, if somebody came in and said, it's over, you're done. I'd be like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd be like, okay, well, that's, we're going to have to adjust our, our strategies here. But I'd also go, my God, all I wanted to do was work in St. Louis growing up. And I got to do it for close to, at this point, 20 years. How can I complain? And on top of it, what we're both lucky enough to have are these really loyal audiences who show up to events, who are super cool to meet and hang out with, and who uh, support our advertisers, which, as we talked about, is really, when it gets down to it, the name of the game. And so I like that. I like that because I think you can run into in this business, and I don't think I've really run into it recently in St. Louis where there can be some uh, entitlement in some capacity. I don't know if entitlement's the right word. I always have said, without a sales staff, you have nothing. But uh, when it gets down to it, um, we're, we're fortunate to be able to do this, and it was cool to hear him kind of have the same appreciation that I feel for being able to host a show that we love doing. Uh, and so that was a conversation I really enjoyed. Always appreciate your feedback. Tim McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Thank you to our sponsors, Ryan Kelly, TheHomeLoanExpert.com, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, Johnny Landoff Chevrolet at I-270 in Washington, Elizabeth Exit, and James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency for Iggy, for Gangster Pete. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been The Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the TheHomeLoanExpert.com studios.